0: And welcome to episode 46 of Universal Adapter. This is the show where two Brits—one who stayed put—oh, that's me. Hi. And one who got out—that's me—discuss the relative merits of our current home countries. Each week, we'll pick a new topic and discuss who has it better. But this week, in a surprise curveball, we also have a Canadian who stayed put. That's me. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, we have a special guest in the cupboard today. Um, <laughs> it is the wonderful Devin Watson of Watson Wood Art fame.
1: Ooh. Hello.
0: <laughs> Ooh, Which might give everyone a little bit of indication of the topic we're discussing today, is that we're discussing different artists from both sides of the pond. So... Devin, um I'm going to describe you as an incredibly famous artist.
1: <laughs> Mildly Instagram okay, <laughs> is what I'll say.
0: Uh, what sort of art do you do?
1: Uh, I do wood burning, or more fancily known as pyrography. I take old wood, sand it up, make it all smooth, and then burn pictures on it, essentially.
2: Now, when you say old wood, do you mean that you... Do you go and collect it yourself? Does that mean that it it doesn't come directly from a, a fresh living tree?
1: Yeah, so um, I try to make a point of not using any uh, freshly cut wood. I get most of my stuff from thrift stores, things like old cutting boards or plates or anything really that looks like it can work or uh, offcuts cuts from say like a fencing business or a sawmill or pretty much anywhere like a free pile online whatever i can find as long as it's not new
0: Hmm. what do you think the weirdest thing you ever burnt is in an artistic way (laughs) (laughs)
1: like that i burnt on or image that i burnt oh
0: i meant burnt on but answer both the the weirdest thing
1: oh geez i don't think there's anything that weird is there
0: the spoon that you cut
1: kinda... up oh I guess that doesn't. See- sorry that doesn't seem particularly weird to me I, I yeah one of the many things you can find in thrift stores that are abundant are old wooden spoons um, so recently I've taken one of those with a really really interesting grain actually cut it up into pieces and turned it into pendants wow I have a question what mm. makes a grain interesting one thing um, trees will grow things called burls Um, those are, if you ever, if you ever see a tree with a weird lump on it, Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost, it's a bit like a tumor in some sense. Um, what happens is, uh, if a foreign object like bacteria or something else gets under the bark and into the tree, the tree will grow around it. Um, and that results in really, really interesting, interesting patterns that are very quite different from the normal grain of the tree. They're yeah, usually more valuable than the regular wood, so that's that seems to be what this spoon may have been made out of made out of. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, honestly, now I know what a burl is. You spot them on trees all the time.
1: Yeah, they're they're pretty common. Certain trees have a lot more too. Like maple maple trees have they're pretty common to have some.
0: Cool. So then what the other question, what's the weirdest pitcher you've ever burnt?
1: I do a lot of eyes. Um that could be a potential one, or there's one one I did early on with this weird sort of hand thing where the the fingers of each hand were it's like they were touching, almost say almost like a gang sign or something, but not quite. <laughs> uh, but the fingers kind of were one, and there's there's a bunch of eyes on that one too. It's pretty odd. It was a bit of an experiment. See, you say gang sign. I assume. <laughs> with the
2: fingers, two hands, fingers... T- that's prayer, right? Someone's praying.
1: No, okay. not quite. Like, ima- like sort of like your hands out in front uh-huh. of you with your thumbs up and then just your fingertips touching.
2: Okay, now I see that.
1: So it's not not palms flat, just fingertips. But then instead of individual fingertips, it's basically just two hands each sharing a finger. If I, if
2: I was... That dedicated, I could make this into one of those fancy podcasts where it flashes up images as you're listening. I probably won't do that, but um, I'm sure that we can curate some sort of image gallery for people to scroll through as they're listening.
1: Yeah, I think that would be a great, idea. Be a great idea.
2: Fantastic, um, Devin, Do you name your pieces, or or does the name just sort of arise organically, like that gang sign one with all the eyes? <laughs> uh-
1: Uh probably that one. Um yeah, there there's a reason I do art. It's because I'm not as good at words. I don't Welcome to the show. (laughs) Names names are one of the hardest Mm -hmm. things. Um some there's there's the occasional piece that it makes sense and I just know, but most of the time I don't know. It's just like it's it is what it is. Like just look at it. Why do you don't (laughs) even know? this one's a serious more
2: serious question when you are does the idea come first or do you have to have like the right piece of wood to to burn certain things into it
1: it's it's a combination of both sometimes i'll have an idea and i'll look for a particular Mm -hmm. piece of wood that's one one thing that's interesting about like i said getting wood from uh sources like thrift stores and off cuts and things is that sometimes you get really interesting pieces that I might never have thought to use. And then I'll, I'll think of something that'll work well with them. Or another thing I really like doing, uh, I got a bunch of cedar wood that were, was off cuts from fence mm-hmm. panels and cedar has a really beautiful grain. And so I use that too. I try to use the grain as a part of the, the art. So often it, like it, to me, it looks a lot like waves or something. So I've got a, a lot of pieces where like a sailboat or fishing mm-hmm. or something like that. Where it looks like they say they're sailing, sailing on the grain of the wood. Cool. That was actually my last question. That's fascinating. There.
0: It is pretty cool. I can't deny. It. I yeah, I'd never seen it before. I met Devon, so it was quite cool to be introduced to it.
2: <laughs> is there a big wood burning community?
1: Um, online, yes. Uh-huh. There's maybe one or two other people that I'm aware of that do it in Victoria. Yeah, it's not not the most common thing, but there's a, there's a surprising amount of people out there doing it. Cool.
2: That's actually my last question. I keep <laughs> on sneaking them in there, and I know Sarah that you have. I oh. mean, we've got the rest of the episode to get to.
0: Uh, that's fine. I just it's they're interesting questions. Please ask questions <laughs> as they come to you. Uh, well, yeah, we did have a few predetermined questions as well. <laughs> um so boys each of you have hopefully bought me a piece of art that you think best represents your home country um so yeah i'd like you to tell me what you bought and why you think it represents the uk or canada so devon as our guest would you want do you want to go first or do you want to go second
1: i can go
2: first i am imagining in this a theater of the mind that we've created that Sarah you're sitting on some kind of big chair <laughs> it's like step forward and bring me your art
1: bring me your offerings and I will judge them <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like Christmas at my house <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay so not only are you sit on a big chair you've also got a paper crown on your head
1: okay so I had I had a struggle picking a specific piece um but there's an artist named Robert Bateman, who, to me, seems to be one of the best represented re- representatives of Canada art-wise. Um, he's probably one of the most well-known artists in Canada, despite not actually being featured in any of the major Canadian galleries. But there's a pretty interesting reason for that. And that's because part of the reason he's so well-known is because he actually mass-produced prints of his work which i guess is something that the sort of high art world frowns on they see it as devaluing the art but yeah so he does primarily wildlife and nature paintings um absolutely beautiful very realistic yeah paintings of a lot of canadian wildlife but also lots of wildlife around the world um and you'll you'll see them everywhere like once i once i found out who he was i noticed, oh i i think I think I saw that like my aunt's house and my grandparents' house and the dentist office and they're they're very common and I think just because of that, the accessibility and how well Canada has absolutely beautiful nature and wildlife and he just represents it really well. So I thought that was very fitting. Cool. I I've done a
2: little bit of a Google and you say that they're super realistic. Some of them look like photos. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's very bizarre, because there's the Robert Bateman Centre, actually, in downtown Victoria, and I have been there, and it, yeah, at first it looks like you're walking into, yeah, a photo gallery, and then as you get closer and closer and closer, you're like, hang on a minute, and then they're actually, like, they're, like, they're incredible paintings, they're so good.
2: Wow. Also, mooses seem to feature <laughs> quite heavily as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's a few of those.
2: Which, which gains gains him some canadian points i feel yeah
0: always Uh, bonus points if you can include a moose that's the rule of this (laughs) show i think (laughs) so was there a particular one that you're going to gift me uh
1: like like i said it was it was tough to choose um but one that i did think was interesting is he did he did sort of a uh in the in the gallery at least it's a protest corner where he's got some uh Art with a bit more of a, I don't know what you'd say, an activist bent to it, I guess. hmm Yeah. There's lots of lots of controversy, especially in uh, British Columbia, over logging. It's one of our main industries, but also we have a lot of uh, old-growth forest that has been clear-cut in the past. So one piece of his, it's actually got four, four different sections to it. At the top, there's a fallen totem pole um, covered in moss and things. In the middle there's a a native man standing with his arms crossed with the forest behind him Uh, just just in the bottom corner too you can see a little uh, antenna uh, that seems to contrast kind of the the nature and the industrialization Uh, and then in the bottom you've got a, a beach and a a logging truck just loaded with these massive old growth trunks
0: he's a very he's a very interesting artist i would highly recommend it
1: like i said he's He's a very, very successful artist, yet not in any of the uh, the large galleries in Canada. When he was asked about this, his response was, well, that's that's the least important issue facing the planet. <laughs> like so. he, just,
0: yeah, he seems to have a sense of humor about him, yeah. as well as sending some important messages, which exactly. I like. Yeah. Excellent. That is the Canadian offering. Um, do you have a rebuttal, Matthew?
2: I mean... My artist, they have some similarities. I feel like Devon's scored some good points, but by talking about environmentalism to the geographer, (laughs) I mean...
0: I mean, that's true. I do love a bit of environmentalism.
2: (laughs) I have um, brought forward, like I say, similar in some respects. It is George Stubbs, who's particularly famous for his paintings again of wildlife uh, specifically horses i sort of i picked him because i reckon that he in some senses kind of encapsulates a fairly maybe stereotypical or old-fashioned view of england although given you know what's happening in politics just at this moment we might be heading back <laughs> towards some <laughs> old-fashioned views of england anyway but his His big thing, like I say, was painting horses. When he was about 32, he stopped concentrating on portraits and landscapes and got down to his proper business. He wandered off to Yorkshire and spent a year and a half looking at horses, dissecting horses, you know, getting the full horse experience. Dissecting
0: horses? Like literally dissecting horses? Yes. Oh,
2: In the same way that Leonardo da Vinci, not to say, like, to put them on the same level, but that Leonardo da Vinci, you know, looked at corpses, cut people open to see how they worked inside so that he could draw them better. But the long and short of it was, I mean, you may question his method, but he got really good at drawing horses (laughs) in that year and a half. So that essentially the upper classes all turned around and they were like, I love my horse more than I love, I don't know, my family and other people. Please, please, please draw my horse. And so he became very famous very quickly and quite rich quite quickly for kind of catering to the tastes of these upper class, mainly gentlemen. And his paintings show up all over the place. And his most famous one is called Whistle Jacket, which is... Like, blank background, just the horse, just what you're there to see.
0: It's a very posy horse.
2: It's a very posy horse.
0: <laughs> it's like, it does make me think of, like, this, this is the original, like, fur babies fan. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, <laughs> it's the... Like,
0: I love it so much. Take a picture.
2: <laughs> it's the 18th century equivalent of, essentially, yeah, making an Instagram for your dog. <laughs>
0: It's a classier way of doing it. I like it a lot.
2: So, Sarah, between between Stubbs and his rich person paintings of rich people's horses, (laughs) and was it Robert or Roger, Robert
0: Robert. Bateman,
2: yeah, and his very very worthy and worthwhile pursuit of you know trying to end deforestation (laughs) through the medium of art. I mean, who are you going to (laughs) pick?
0: I mean. I I I think I am gonna to have to go with Robert Bateman because as much as I love horses, I just genuinely <laughs> prefer his picture.
2: That's fair enough. Although perhaps this is this is just me being cynical. As far as like representation of your country, <laughs> perhaps perhaps I've gone I've gone the the cynical cynical route, and Devon's gone the idealistic route.
0: <laughs> Potentially. But yeah, I think on this occasion, round one is going to have to go to our um, the away team of Canada, David Watson. <laughs> Woohoo!
2: Fair enough.
0: <laughs>
2: oh. I'm sure. I'm sure that Rob. Okay, no, I'm gonna. F- I've forgotten it again. Robert Bateman. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure that Robert Bateman will f- will feel vindicated after being <laughs> left out of the the major Canadian galleries. That he's that he's won Absolutely. a point in a third of an episode.
0: He's still alive, is <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he is. He's still alive? Excellent.
1: Alright, we'll tweet at him. He seems like the kind of guy who might not be on Twitter. I don't know, but...
0: Oh, well, we can try. <laughs> <laughs> Send him a letter. Send him a letter. Yeah, go old school. I'm prepared yeah, to there you go. On you recycled
1: go. paper. I think he would appreciate that, absolutely.
0: Well, all is not lost just yet, Matthew. There's still two more rounds to play for. So, for your second question... Yes, is. The art piece that you would like to display for whatever reasons you choose in your mm-hmm. enemy's living room. So okay, then. Every special occasion, every morning, <laughs> which I guess in itself could be considered a special occasion, they have to see this for the rest of their lives.
2: Okay, so I have picked um, an artist called Cornelia Parker, who is a more contemporary artist who works in installations and her most famous work probably comes from the 1990s. It was potentially still is in the Tate Modern, which is called uh, Cold Dark Matter, which if you've been to the Tate, it's essentially the exploded shed where she called up the army and was like, I've got this idea for a really cool piece of art. She put a bunch of things in the shed, got them to come over, blow it up, and then went around, gathered all of the different uh, things that were inside the shed, and all the pieces of the shed, and then hung it suspended from the ceiling with a single light bulb in the middle so that when the light switched on, you kind of see the shed frozen in time at the moment of the explosion with all these shadows up against the wall and it is very impressive. But... Wow. If it were in your living room, it would also <laughs> get in the way. Like, if you have people around to, to entertain, it might be... It, it's the sort of thing where it's like fun... It's like a talking point. Maybe the first time they come over or for the first hour. But then, you know, if you want to watch a film, you know, there's just this... <laughs> You can't turn all the lights off because then you ruin the art. Uh If you wanted to play Twister, that's a whole other set of variables to deal with.
0: Yeah, that becomes a very different game. It's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen it in person? I have. Yes. (gasps) Oh, is there like, see, in my head, I'm imagining like trowels and things just floating in it. Are there like tools in this shed when it got blown up?
2: Yeah, so it's essentially the shed was a constructed shed. I mean, all sheds are constructed when you think about it. There aren't really many naturally occurring sheds. But (laughs) rather than... uh, I I read an interview with her and she said rather than kind of picking somebody's actual shed, um, she went out and, you know, picked the wood and then filled it with a bunch of things which she owned or which she had bought from... thrift thrift shops like antique shops uh, car boot sales that sort of thing and yeah it's filled with like a mix basically the things that you would find in a shed so like practical things like gardening equipment but also the sort of you know leftover furniture and you know old children's toys
0: fascinating I mean I do in a weird way really like it I think it's very impressive to look at and Mm -hmm. I do appreciate the aesthetic of like, dis- deconstructed things. Like, uh-huh. as in you know, like Ridiculously Hipster Food where they make like, a <laughs> deconstructed BLT. And even though it's a horrendous to eat, looks quite incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so would I eat it? My review would be no. Would I look at it? My review would be yes. <laughs> I have thoroughly enjoyed this offering. Fantastic. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> but in the name of fairness, I should probably hear what Devin has to say.
1: Well, I've... Taken a bit of a a different perspective on the idea of giving my enemy some art. Uh-huh. <laughs> my my first thought was actually not not a Canadian uh, a guy named Beksinski who does uh, pretty terrifying stuff. But in looking for a Canadian artist that did something, so I couldn't I couldn't find anything. And then I thought, well, if I have an enemy, why do why do I just want to put a piece of art in their living room that's going to make them miserable? Why not why not try to give them something nice, maybe a little motivating, try to make them a better person? And so I picked one of my one of my favorite artists, a guy named Rob Gonçalves, a piece of his called Stardust. And what it what it is is uh it's a spir- it's like a spiral staircase and there there's there's people walking up it, they're each holding candles, but as it spirals up towards the top of the painting, the candlelight's turn into stars, the stairs turn into kind of like a a blue gassy galaxy nebula sort of thing and the center of it is is a bright light like a star kind of symbolic of a of a journey upwards towards something better so
0: it's a very different tact but he does these re- some yeah really incredible pictures what's it called it's the
1: style is called uh magical realism
2: i mean i don't i don't like to i don't like to propagate stereotypes but um, Devon, that was a pretty Canadian answer you just gave.
1: <laughs> might might be why I struggled to find Canadian artists.
0: I know that's when I realised how the maybe the fundamental difference between us. And I was like, I heard him say that, and I was like, that is so nice. <laughs> and it
2: is a really beautiful painting um, that you've chosen as well.
0: So yeah, the two vastly different offerings. One which is very loud and obtrusive and generally inconvenient and involves large machinery or there's a very sort of making the world a better place answer but I, I'm i afraid I'm just not as good a person as Devin and if I was going to put say in my enemy's house I would want it to be vastly in the way and very inconvenient just to, because it's funny to inconvenience people sometimes especially if they've been mean.
1: I might feel differently if I had a specific enemy that I could think of Because I I don't have anybody that I could think of that I want to do something like this to, so.
0: Me neither, but I'm not ruling it out for future reference. Like, you never know. So. Oh. Is it
2: time for a break?
0: Yes, I think it's time for a wee pause where you can get out your mobile device and do some admin. Uh, so, first of all, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are Universal Adapter Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter. We are at UniAdapter. And you can also find us on YouTube. Uh, where we're also Universal Adapter Podcast.
2: And Devin, do you want to plug your things as well?
1: Uh, sure. Um, I use Instagram most of all. It's at Watson WoodArt. My website, same name, WatsonWoodArt.ca. Facebook, same thing, Watson WoodArt. That's about it.
2: Cool. And you can also send us an email to UniversalAdapterPodcast at gmail.com
0: Fabulous So for our final round neck and neck we have which piece of art would you like to have hung in your own living room So any preferences on who goes first?
2: I mean we could continue with the pattern and have Devon take the lead on this one
1: Sure I've picked, uh, there's a group of artists actually based on Vancouver Island just up north in a place called Cumberland. They're called the Wood Vibe Tribe. Pretty much everything they do is amazing, but I've picked one piece called Rising from the Ashes, and it's an image of a phoenix. But what's really, really cool about what they do, they create these out of just a bunch of individual pieces of wood. And they don't use any stains or dyes or paint or anything like that. It's all natural colors of the wood put together in very intricate and absolutely amazing designs. The The guy that does this one that I'm thinking of is Andy Woodsmith. I feel like his last name might be a pseudonym, but...
0: <laughs> so it's like a like a wooden mosaic.
1: I'm
2: very glad that you told me that it was made of wood, because just looking at it, it looks a little bit like a big biscuit it looks delicious it feast for the eyes
0: it is yeah it's incredible and i do you know how they hold them together
1: i think there's a backing that they're all attached to i'm not i'm not sure if they're glued or screwed or I'm, I'm i would guess glued i just i think part of what amazes me about it so much is having done some carving myself imagining trying to do something like that is just so far from what i can do it would take so much patience and such a like just how how well they fit together, it's it's not easy to do that. That's for sure.
0: So we have a stunning wood carving slash biscuit. That's a different avenue for them to go. Maybe one day, Matt. What did? What are you gonna decorate your lovely apartment with?
2: Okay, so my choice is the thus far un unknown artist uh, Banksy, which oh. is to say, not that he's mm. not known in a I was going to say in a biblical sense, that's not what I mean at all he is a famous artist, but nobody knows who he is, or if he's a he or even if they're one person, or many who knows, this isn't the place for Banksy conspiracy theorists you need to listen to my other podcast it's me,
0: that will be quite the reveal
1: this seemed like the best place to say it
2: (laughs) Man, what a commute, though. My my reasonings are, are thus as to why I would want a Banksy piece of art on my living room wall, which is that if I had a Banksy piece of art on my living room wall, that would basically lead to three outcomes, all of which are good. Either I can sell my wall and become <laughs> very, very rich. True. Or... To have painted it on there, Banksy would have had to have been in my home. And assuming that I wasn't at work, I could have met them, had a little bit of sit down, had a cup of tea. Just pick their brains about, you know, what it is they do and why they do it. Or, and this is my most, this is my favorite of the three options. Once I've got a Banksy on my wall, I could convince the world that I was Banksy. (gasps) and then just dine out on that forever
0: oh that's the most clever one actually that's definitely a good enough reason to do it that's so yeah what a great idea why didn't i think of that
2: <laughs> i'm sure that people have i'm sure that it's been done before and that there are perhaps some holes
0: so which banksy wasn't you picked again i got distracted by my own story which one did you pick or just any Banksy just a
2: new a, new ba- a brand new banksy
0: Oh, so no! A, a, a that's the that's thing. Banksy. It would have to
2: be. Yeah, it couldn't. It couldn't be one of the already existing ones because then someone would be like, "Well, obviously, you've just done that yourself."
0: Well, I think. Oh, as much as I do really like the idea of having an original Banksy on Matt's wall, uh, or anyone's wall, actually, be quite exciting. Um, I think I might have to go with the wooden sculpture which was so warming and delicious oh. and inspirational yeah i'm gonna describe it as delicious uh
1: if if he had said a food themed banksy would you have <laughs> yeah. picked that yeah, one yeah, but a i would
0: have had it <laughs> chocolate digestive
1: sarah eating a cookie
2: <laughs> it's a big chocolate digestive but it's it's green and blue because it's the world and the chocolate's melting because of global warming. That's actually something that I could conceivably see Banksy doing.
0: I love it. Well, I'm glad we've all set ourselves on a new career path of Banksy in impersonators. Can you impersonate an artist? I don't see why not. Uh, but yeah, I think we might have to give this to our first time on the show. Excellent. Well done, David! Thank you. Hooray. Well done. uh. Have you got any final words?
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, people can see this great artist in action relatively soon if you happen to be in the lower Vancouver Island area. See me what? The market you're doing in March. March. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ.
2: <laughs> Is Sarah your PR person?
1: Exactly. <laughs> I guess so. Well,
0: if you want, if anyone has... If there's a Spartan interest in anyone and they wanted to come check you out, where can yes. they find you?
1: I will be... Selling some things at the Mary Winspear Center on March fifteenth and sixteenth with the crafted farmhouse market.
0: Excellent. And your Instagram once again?
1: Watson Woodart.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean if I can make it I will.
1: <laughs> I hope to see you there. Ten percent off if you show up. <laughs> make it worth your while.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, what a bargain. Yeah, well thank you very much for joining us yeah
1: thanks for having me
0: Learned a lot about Canadian art that I probably wouldn't have looked into if you hadn't been here so yeah it's quite exciting and thank you for your offerings as well Matt I liked the creepy facts about horses in particular
2: all of my offerings uh, none of them were quite as as well thought out they didn't really come from a place of, of love I think <laughs> in the same way that Devon's did
0: <laughs> oh well, me and Matt will see you again in two weeks and who knows, next month you might be seeing Devon, depending on where you are in the world.
2: Alright. So, yes, we will We will be back again in just two weeks. So come join us then.
0: Anyway, thank you again, Devon, and goodbye! Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye!